0: Multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The multiverse is real. South Connection Podcast Network. I'm back, and I'm better than ever, got a neck, for making things better, face facts, cause your opinions don't matter. It is Johnny C. making a triumphant question mark return to the North-South Connection Podcast Network for this very special no so report on the latest release from Marvel's studio? Question mark? Oh, I was going to say Marvel Studios, but then I was like, Marvel's studio! I fucked it up. But yes, we are here today to talk about the Marvels, which of course was released in motion picture theaters this last weekend. I'm sure some of you were aware of it, but judging from the box office numbers, you were not. Uh, That's why this is going to exist for you, because there is a lot of talk, a lot to talk about in the world of Marvel. Uh, As I mentioned, Johnny C. here, uh, we've done this before. We've done this a a couple times. You know, back in the archives, you can find our special reports on Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Wakanda, Forever, and things like that. You know, we've had a couple of stinkers. Okay. Uh, Multiverse of Madness was fine, I guess. Uh, Wakanda Forever was good. uh, Well, you know, we're going to talk about all that as we go along the way here. So, uh, just let me... I want to sort of... uh, I don't want to make a call to action like I'm riding around in the Lex Express. Yes, it's a call to action. Travel to USA. Looking to see if President Jack Tunney can be swayed to allow Lex Luger to take on Yokozuna. Uh, I don't know why I called an agenda... A call to action. But before we get started, I'd like to give you a, just a little bit of an agenda today about what we're going to talk about in case you're weary of spoilers for this movie uh, in case you want to see it. But we are going to be covering the film in full. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, sort of the state of Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sort of Put out some feelers and see if you all feel the same way that I do about what's been happening uh, ever since Avengers Endgame, or I guess when this phase started after uh, Spider-Man uh, Andrew Garfield returns. What, what the fuck's the subtitle? No Way Home. Uh, you know, because there's been a lot of content. Uh, some good, some not. And, and what I want to do is focus on some of the big theatrical releases and just sort of see why... We why, why is the sentiment turned so negatively towards the MCU here in the last few years? After that, as I always do, we're going to talk about the directors and the actors involved in this motion picture spectacle? Again, question mark? Uh, which, actually, that section may contain some spoilers. Because I'm going to talk about the cast. And there are a couple of secrets in here that the marketing hasn't uh, spoiled yet. Although I got to warn you, fans, I have a feeling based on the box office performance uh, that you're going to start seeing just spoilers and TV spots coming up. So if you do want to see this movie unspoiled, you you better get to it, all right? Because they're going to start pulling. Let's just say for argument's sake. Okay, this is an, this is completely fictional, it's not a spoiler. Let's just say for argument's sake that this movie ended with a post-credit scene of I don't know, Wonder Man, Ant-Man and Cyclops at an orgy. You're going to start seeing uh, those folks at the orgy on your TV spots because they're like, "Hey, look, these are characters you didn't know were supposed to be in the movie and they're here. So come on out and see it." Even though we just spoiled it and basically showed you the only shot that contains all three actors. Uh, I do have a feeling that that's going to start happening. So, you want to see the Marvels? You want to be unspoiled? You better get your ass to Mars, as my good friend Arnold Schwarzenegger would say. So, as promised, let's talk about the state of the D.C. Well, wishful thinking on my part, talking about the state of the D.C. universe. But I want to talk about the MCU. So, since we've, you know, been doing this podcast journey, hate has been spreading Okay, you know, there, there have been some hits and some misses along the way. Uh, let's start with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, all right? Because Black Panther Wakanda Forever to me was sort of a, a guaranteed thing in a lot of ways. Meaning the whole world was waiting on bated breath for the movie, at least in terms of Marvel fans and, you know, casual film. I mean, Black Panther penetrated this cultural zeitgeist. And we were ready for the sequel. It had a lot of sort of um, the old Heath Ledger treatment, if you will. Like there's a lot of sort of like morbid curiosity for people. But here we sort of knew that, you know, it wasn't morbid curiosity about a person that gave a performance that is no longer with us, but about how you know, they would help us heal as fans, and not to sound cheesy, but also how they would move the narrative forward and honor what came before it. And, and I enjoyed Wakanda Forever. My review, I believe, was overwhelmingly positive, and I stand by that. I really do. But here, I think, is where the problems start to slip in, using Wakanda Forever as an example. It doesn't feel like it mattered. Now... I believe I've even argued for standalone content before. Not everything has to tie in and what have you. But we still feel so aimless. The problem that the MCU has is that it did such a good job of streamlining itself and laying breadcrumbs so we could follow it to the next big adventure. It It was something that they sort of mastered. And I'm not saying it takes a lot to master something like that. Granted, I've never done it, but TV shows do it all the time. Granted, they're only trying to hook you from week to week, but it felt organized. You know what I mean? It felt like, uh, you know, what is it, Iron Man 2 that ends with Agent Coulson in New Mexico at the site where Mjolnir has fallen, like in the next movie's Thor. It's like, you know, little things here and there there hasn't really been something that unites the brand of the MCU to some universal great world threat. Or even like, I'm going to pick on Shang-Chi. I like the character. The movie's fine. It's, you know, a, it's more than middling. It's above, it's like a 75 percenter Like it's in the top 75% tier of, of MCU films, as an example, in my opinion. But like, where's Shang-Chi? What's he up to? Like, I'd just like to know. Is he an active superhero combatant? Is he still parking cars as a young valet? Ettheiel L Jackson Mathe in Kingsman. I just, you know, what are the 10 rings doing? like not the not the gang, but like the 10 rings he wears? like there's some alien artifact or some multiversal art like I just nothing is clicking together. Okay, like the Thor Ragnarok Hercules tease? Oh, fuck me, that just looks awful. It continues to look awful. And speaking of looking awful, the special effects of the MCU have really gone to shit, which I think affects, <laughs> affects get it? Some of how we view these things. But so Black Panther 2 was a solid film, but it didn't stick anything new into the MCU. Well, you know what? Okay, that's fine. There, there's more. Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume 3. Yeah, I'm going out of order. I skipped one. But we'll get we'll to it. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was very good. I reviewed it on the Multiverse of Fabulous. my personal podcast feed. Uh, cheap plug. Uh, but I gave it an overwhelmingly positive review. I did. But it was clearly the ending of a trilogy. And I'm not saying James Gunn was like in business for himself. But he was allowed creative freedom as a filmmaker. Huh, what, a, what, a, what a concept. And... While the film's great, it it didn't, again, add anything to the grand design. And that's fine. But people go to these things because they want to know what's happening next. They do. It's a big part of it. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, came out in March, whereas Guardians was in May of 2023. Holy shit, was that movie awful. But side effect... At least at the time. It seemed like it was adding new wrinkles and maybe pushing things forward. Spoilers for the Quantumania. Sure. Kang the Conqueror, at least the version we met, died in that film. But we were introduced to the shouting Council of Kangs. Even the goofy ones who are like, "Ooh!" Seriously, like no Kang variant should ever spike the camera and yell like Paul Bear and get excited because all the Kangs are here having a fucking Kang orgy. But you know, they, they allowed it to happen and what have you. Uh, but at least it felt like it was maybe giving us context or a clue. But then the whole Jonathan Majors thing started going down. And so we still feel aimless. We're flying without a cape. No capes. So I don't know, maybe it's a good thing. But, you know, we don't have a radar. We don't have some sort of, this has been Affleck impression, the toxic chemicals gave me some sort of Radar sense. You know, we don't have Daredevil's radar sense right now. Okay, though. Home viewing has offered us something. What about Secret Invasion? Un- <laughs> fuck. Actually, never mind. Let's not talk about Secret Invasion. Jesus Christ. Although Secret Invasion and its patheticness is relevant to some of the Marvel's discussion, which we will get into, but holy shit, was that show fucking awful. Um, it had moments, I'll give it that, uh, the lady from Fleabag, whose name I can't remember, who was like the head of MI6, she was cool. She was really cool. Um, I like Ben Middles, Ben Middleson, Middleson. Nah, yeah, fuck it. It's not like he's my friend. I don't have to get his name right. Uh, as Talos, but you know it's a fucking stupid character. I love Amelia Clark. Poor Amelia Clark, man. She could not catch a break. Everybody hated the last season of Game of Thrones. I didn't, but that's fine. Uh you know, she tried to join the Terminator franchise. Didn't quite work out. She was in something else, too. Oh, she was, uh, she was in Solo, a Star Wars story. Don't think we'll ever see Kira on the big screen again. And here she is in the MCU now as, like, is her, is her name Gaia? Is she the, the lady from Captain Planet? Or is that Gainin? No, that's Whoopi Goldberg. Gaia is Earth. Oh, I guess Gaia was probably, you know, because Captain Power the Planeteers. You know, they had that lady who hung out with them. And don't forget that the, the one kid had, a, had a, a, a lemur or a chimp or something. The kid who was heart. I'm going to have to do them all. Earth. Fire. Notice the American guy's like, fire. Wind. Water. Heart. Go, planet. Captain, planet. But it is funny that they gave the American fire. I just, I've always, I've always chuckled at that. Uh, but there was a little bit of hope. And I promise no spoilers at all are going to be coming out of my mouth. But Loki season two gave us not only six compelling hours of television, but it did seem to massively add to the overall narrative of the MCU. And Tom Hiddleston continues to show why he's probably the best thing that they have left. Okay? And I'm not saying he was bad before. I'm just saying he's clearly the best. Here's the best of what's around. Oh, Tom Hiddleston, you didn't have sex with Taylor Swift after you guys broke up, but now you're doing that chick in this movie. That was sort of a Dave Matthews band riff. Okay? But Loki season two ended. And actually, Loki as a, as a show, it's over. It's done. Find a new show! But it's done and it's over with. Okay? But it ended giving the MCU new life, okay? Things happen that matter. And with the Marvels opening just the very next day after the ending of Loki Season 2, there is an amazing opportunity for brand synergy. And in one week, with Loki series finale and the Marvels, it's a one-two punch. We can turn this thing around and get it back on track, dude. Like, this is the moment, Seize it, Marvel! What have you got for me? Well, unfortunately, what Marvel has for me is The Marvels! Directed by Nia DaCosta, who you might recognize from such films as Little Woods or The Candyman Remake, which starred Yaya Abdul Manteen II, who is Black Manta, who is Dr. Manhattan, and kicks a lot of ass! Oh, this is the next part, by the way. Well, before I get any further. So so that's sort of the MCU, okay? We feel like we are in deep waters without a paddle for our canoe. We don't have a, a motor for our boat. We don't have Army Hammer playing both of the Winklevoss twins to row us to safety, okay? We are up Shit's Creek. Ew, David. So I just don't know what to do. But Loki gave me hope. And I took that hope And I purchased a ticket to the Marvels. Even though I really, 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 really hated Captain Marvel, which I know. Let's just put this out there since you all can't see me, okay? I am a white heterosexual male, okay? Which doesn't mean anything. However, it does mean that I fit into a subsection of individuals who... uh well, not all, but there's a lot of Captain Marvel hate, like the film, mainly around shit like she's too powerful and she has a vagina and that can't coexist. But the movie's just really not that good. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. The performance of the actress that portrays the main character, which we'll talk about when we do the cast is just, well, you know, so, so I was already sort of one foot out the door here when I purchased this ticket. That being said, Some of the characters I were interested in seeing. So, without further ado, uh, that's sort of where the MCU's at right now. Let's move on to talking about uh, the actual cast and the creatives behind this bad boy. Uh, But I gotta warn you, this is where spoilers are gonna start to start crawling in. Yeah, I said start to start to want to fight about it. So, you are warned. Let's go. So, we already spoke about our director, uh, but I, I have not seen any of her films, so I don't really have much to add to it. However, I will say I read it in an interview uh, before I saw the film that uh, she was greatly influenced by a couple of different things, but one of the influences that she cited was a small film that I'm a large fan of from, I believe, 2006, 2007, entitled Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which is a CGI animated sequel to the hit video game from 1997, Final Fantasy VII. Lots of numbers there.
1: And I was like, really?
0: Someone else likes that movie, and then you're going to use that as an influence for the big screen? I am all in. But who? Who's going to be doing the talking here? Who's going to be doing the emoting and the acting? The Marvels stars Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, the Annihilator. Which sounds like a bad gimmick they almost gave The Undertaker... Now, my thoughts on Brie Larson, Academy Award winning actress. The only... I haven't seen Room. I've seen the... Oh, hi, Mark. I've seen the Room, but I haven't seen Room. Room. So I don't know if she's an Academy Award winning actress, even though she's an Academy Award winning actress. But every time I've seen Brie Larson, if it's not 21 Jump Street, eh, I don't care. Like, She's not struck a chord with me. I, I, the only thing I even think of is uh, Scott Pilgrim, where she's Envy Adams for like five seconds. Uh, but we don't talk about Envy Adams. Uh, I, I just... I don't know that the Captain Marvel character has ever been written well, period, in the MCU. Uh, and stay away from fucking Samus, okay? I know Brie Larson, like, wants to play Samus in Metroid. She can cosplay as Samus, because... Well... Yeah, Uh, but I don't want her to play Samus. I'd like someone who I believe can act can play Samus. But you know what? Maybe, maybe she'll change my mind here in Captain Marvel, or in the Marvels. But what's this Annihilator name she has? Well, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about how that is the ultimate crutch and failure of the film a little bit later on. Toyota Paris as Monica Rambeau. A.K.A. Photon, even though they never call her Photon. A.K.A. Professor Marvel, which I thought was a cute little joke. Um, number one, how is it that we have not one but two characters with the surname of Rambo in this franchise? And there's nary a Rambo joke to be heard. Do you want me to do it for you, movie? I mean, I'm not advocating for shit comedy but it's right there. Like, I'm disappointed you didn't do it. Uh, Toyota Paris, of course, uh, plays the adult version of Monica Rambeau. I believe this is her second appearance in the MCU. I might be forgetting a brief cameo in something, if I am. But we met her in WandaVision. We're taking on a lot and I don't know the words. How good was WandaVision compared to everything else? WandaVision was so good. Anywho, um, she's back. And she has her light-based electromagnetic powers to boot. Rounding out the trio, Imad Vellani as Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, who we met in her very own Disney Plus series entitled Ms. Marvel. You know what I love about Amon Vellani? Everything! You know, it's my understanding that Amon Vellani was not really an actress before she played Ms. Marvel. She was simply a fan. She's like you and me. And she was a big fan of Ms. Marvel. And she said, you know what? I'm going to audition for this bad boy. And she did audition. And she got a callback, and she auditioned again. And she got a third callback, and she auditioned again. And guess what? She got the part. And what you might feel individually about the Ms. Marvel TV show, it definitely had problems, but overall I'd give it a thumbs up and a, hey, you know, why not? Watch it. I like the Ms. Marvel character. Um, I've only read like her first 13 or 12 issues where she fights the chicken, which is glorious. But uh, her charisma, her enthusiasm is infectious. And I hope nothing but the best for her moving forward in the MCU and all of her other projects if she decides to take any on. She's great. She's charming. She's genuine. And she's absolutely the best part of this motion picture. Zai Ashton, and I'm Ms. Ashton if I'm pronouncing your name improperly, I apologize, as Darben, a.k.a. the new worst villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe pantheon. Seriously, this is a bad character. You know, she's engaged to Tom Hiddleston. And I don't really think she needs Tom Hiddleston to step in and defend her. I don't. I don't believe that one bit. However, Tom Hiddleston's got, you know, maybe a little bit of stroke at this point. Could he not step in and demand a rewrite? Could we not do something to make this character more interesting? She is the Cree Supremer. Which means she is now the ruler of the Cree uh, species. Who apparently, since we last saw them in Captain Marvel, have been going through some hard times, Daddy. You know, a sun don't work! And that's hard times on the Cree. You know, we used to be supremely intelligent with a supreme intelligence. But the supreme intelligence is no more, and that's hard times on the Cree, baby. You know, Daddy Mac sack of whack, I like to drink water! here with the Cree planet Hala. But the water is all dried up. Give it hard time th- on the Cree, But yeah, she is the Supremer. Lashana Lynch, Agent 007 herself from No Time to Die, returns from Captain Marvel and a brief cameo in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as Maria Rambo for some flashbacks. And uh-oh, here comes our first spoiler alert. She also appears as... Binary, which we'll discuss. And hey, you know how we talked about Ms. Marvel? The whole fam dam from Ms. Marvel is here. You've got uh, Mrs. Khan, Mr. Khan, and Brother Khan all reprising their roles uh, from Ms. Marvel. And I will freely admit the uh, ridiculous nature, the ridiculous and sitcom-esque nature of the family is amped up a little bit. They sort of all become caricatures of their wider character from the TV show. But I'm going to allow it. Because the lady that plays Kamala Khan's mother, Mrs. Khan, if you will, is a tremendous, overbearing mother. Like, if you're writing some sort of a project that requires an overbearing mother, I mean, she's the one you want. I don't care what the part calls for. I don't care when the story takes place, who it's about, You need any overbearing mother, you call this woman right now, and it's an immediate thumbs up from me. And I appreciate that. Really your last chance to turn around from spoilers here, folks. Okay, fine. With Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role as Nick Fury, a very sleepy Nick Fury this time around. I love the man that is a Samuel L. Jackson. But he has to not. He, he doesn't have to try at this point, and it's starting to show. And that's fine. Take the money, take the money, and just fucking run. I don't care. But he's back. A, a few, a few decent moments from Sam Jackson here. Really, 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 really spoilery here. All right, fine, fuck it. Ah, uh, with Tessa Thompson as the King of New Asgard, Valkyrie. What are you doing here, Valkyrie? Hey, Mom! Mom! Mom, I just saw a new commercial, Valkyries and the Marvels! Mom, I wasn't going to buy a ticket, but I like Valkyrie. Let's go see the Marvels! That's why Valkyrie's here. With Haley Steinfeld as Kite Bishop! Oh, Kite Bishop... It's so nice of you to show up as guest star in Marvels. You lady, Marvels ladies, I like Brad synergy, Kite Bishop. Now, I love Kate Bishop. I enjoyed the Hawkeye miniseries. I'm going to give it a rewatch this holiday season. Uh, But uh, Kate Bishop, of course, is Hawkeye too. What are you doing here, Kite Bishop? Did you bring Swordsman, my favorite MCU character of all time? You didn't. Well, fuck. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, toss the salad and scramble those eggs. And featuring a special guest appearance from the voice of Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast. Well, no reason to see the movie now. Cat's out of the bag. Uh, Overall, I'd say, okay, okay, you know what, fine. I'll continue talking about the movie. But, really, that's all anybody's going to remember. Previously on the Marvels. Our film starts up, and and even though this doesn't happen at the very, 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 very beginning of the film, throughout the course of the motion picture, we do get previously on the Marvels. So I'm just going to cover it now. Previously on the Marvels in WandaVision, uh, Maria Rambo was an agent of S.W.O.R.D. and she walked through the Scarlet Witch's hex that surrounded the town and she got photon light powers. There you go. Previously on the Marvels via Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel defeated her Kree oppressors and she sent away Jude Law uh, I played Yon Rog in a little ship, and I love this because they sh- they re-show the clip of Captain Marvel. Uh, he- she puts Jude Law, and the semester abroad. <laughs> Tell all the English boys you meet, put the Mac boy back in the states. Yeah, that's a song. Deal with that. Uh, he- she puts Jude Law in the little tiny ship, and it looks like when Schwarzenegger puts the TV host from The Running Man in the ship, and he's like, "Drop dead." Oh, I don't do requests. And then he sends him on his way to a fiery doom. Uh, but then she warned Jan Rog to tell the Supreme Intelligence that I'm coming for you next time, baby. And previously on the Marvels from Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel had her entire TV show. She found a mystic bangle. I don't remember if it tied into the clandestine or the gin from her show. I only watched it once. I don't remember if it's a known cosmic artifact. It looks like the Negabands, but there's no Rick Jones in sight. Yep, let for all you comic fans out there. Uh, But she learned that she could bake light constructs as opposed to doing embiggening. She's no longer an inhuman. She is a mutant, which is not mentioned at all. At all. All right. I think uh, we're all ready to start talking about the actual film. Here come the Marvels. The movie itself, the film, begins with something that I think is very telling. They say that your first shot should really grab the audience's attention. And this movie starts with the image of a sun. Not like a little dude, but like a sun. Like a giant star that provides and radiates heat and energy. Kind of like me. Uh, but then we quickly cut to a moon. Now, that shot of the sun is a, is going to be a very telling image that we're going to talk about, mu- well, not much later in this podcast because it's not going to be super long, I promise. But towards the, the medium end of our discussion, we'll get back to that sun, okay? And talk about what could have been a better movie. On this moon, we meet Darben. Darben, she is the current Supremer, of the Cree Empire which you know basically is a fancy way of saying she is in charge but if you'll recall the supreme intelligence is in charge of the Cree Empire the supreme intelligence of course being chat gpt no it's the uh, artificial intelligence that you know rules over cree society and makes things like socialistic for everybody? Maybe that's why, uh, you know, uh, the P- P- Punisher fans hate the Kree, by the way. Goddamn Kree's fucking socialist. Get the Punisher out there. He'll punish him for being goddamn commie socialist. Uh, but Darbend is digging on this moon looking for a sacred artifact. She has a uh, an accuser's hammer, like Ronan. So she visually feels comfortable here in the MCU. She has a very unique look. I don't know what color her hair is because I'm very colorblind, but it looked like grayish to me. And she's kind of got a grill. Like, oh my god, give me a grill. Oh! You know, the, the, the grill song. And she's got this little lackey guy with her who's really a shitty number two. But I'll be honest with you, Darben's kind of a shitty number one. But she's digging through the moon and she finds one of the sacred quantum bands. Which is just the other bracelet that matches Ms. Marvel's bracelet. Did we know that they were quantum bands? Are they not nega bands? Like from the comic books that Captain Marvel and Rick Jones would use. The the male Captain Marvel. The one that Nitro killed. Okay, let's just focus on the movie. Darben finds the Quantum Band. The other one Ms. Marvel has because it looks exactly the fucking same. And she gives some sort of vague, like, Now we have half of what we need, lackey guy. And lackey guy's like, Oh, darling, I love your bracelet. It matches very well. Uh, But we cut then to New Jersey where Kamala Khan is dreaming of being in a better movie. It's quite cute. They do like an animated sequence of Ms. Marvel's fan fiction about meeting Captain Marvel, just like they do in the TV show. So I like that there. Then we catch up with Captain Marvel, who's in outer space on a ship all by herself. Well, except for her flurkin goose. These fucking cats, man. I get it. I get that it was kind of a one-off funny thing in Captain Marvel. Would you like to see... Marvel run a joke into the ground? Well, just stay with us. Uh, she's in space trying to figure out what's kind of going on in the galaxy these days. We still really have no motivation or understanding of what makes Carol Danvers tick, which is the ultimate failure uh, for the entire character. Even lesser known characters in the MCU, I feel like we sort of at least know what motivates them to a certain extent. With Captain Marvel, we've never been given the chance. And we're going to continue to not be given the chance, Okay. Nick Fury calls her, and he's all like, Hey, Captain Marvel, we're friends, aren't we? And she goes to investigate where dar ben is on this moon, because there's been a massive energy surge, and Nick Fury's like, it's fucking up the jump grid. Now, the jump grid is something that we mainly see in Guardians of the Galaxy films. Now, they always talk about, oh, we're 22 minutes from a jump point, or what have you. You know, and, and they... It's like hyperspace in Star Wars, except you can only do it from certain points in the galaxy. And it's like an interconnected, like, grid that's actually run by, like, a greater galaxy federation corporation or something. Not trying to sound like Vince McMahon. But I know this because Nick Fury is in a giant fucking space station above Earth, which I don't have a problem with at all. It's like it's the first time we've seen the space station. But this is a big problem with Phase 5. When did Earth get invited to, like, the Union of Galactic Planets or whatever the fuck they want to call it? When did humans get invited to the party? You know, we're really all of a sudden Star Trek. Like, if you turn on Star Trek and you put me on the b- bridge of the Starship Enterprise, I don't care when or which Enterprise, I'm looking to see some blue, some blue folks, some furry folks, uh, you know, some Klingons, some Romulans, uh, Vulcans, uh, dudes from Kentucky, you know, I'm looking to see it all, but I expect that. If Star Trek was just a bunch of white humans in, you know, those tight shirts, it wouldn't be interesting, okay? And, and, And here, I'm totally okay with the fact that, you know, Earth has been invited to the fucking galactic core, but shouldn't that been, like, its own movie or at least its own shitty TV show? I mean, a lot happened in those five years during the blip. And, I, and that's this is a problem with this disconnect here. I know that like Rocket Raccoon and Nebula were on Earth for a little bit. I guess, because they're on Earth in Endgame. And I don't need everything explained. And I know that sounds insane going on this rant. But explain this for me, okay? But Monica Rambeau, photon if you will, she gets in a space chute to investigate the jump point that's near Earth because it, too, is glitching. There's a goddamn glitch in the Matrix, okay? Um, And, and, you know, she's going to investigate that. Uh, The tear in the jump system I mentioned was caused by Darben. Monica is about to touch the tear in the net, or the net, the fucking jump grid. Carol Danvers is now on the moon where Darben was, the shitty villain, and she's about to touch the jump point too. Well, this could be interesting. They go to touch it at the same time, and I guess Ms. Marvel's bangle that she's actively wearing in her Ms. Marvel costume laying on her bed, because, hey, I'm, I'd admit, if I was a teenage superhero, I'd always have my costume on, too, so I'm going to allow it. But something happens. There's some sort of cosmic interaction between the three of them, and now, from this moment forward, for the rest of the movie, every time they use their powers, they're going to Activate their own jump point and switch places with one of the other two. Except when a movie wants them to use their powers without that ramification. Because, and I think, Monica, there might be a throwaway line like, it's when we use our light powers. And yeah, Photon does some cool shit that's not light-oriented. Captain Marvel, you know, can fly without activating her light powers, I guess. So I'll allow that. But every single power that Kamala Khan uses is light-based. And there's plenty of shots in this movie where she makes her little steps that she runs up to embiggen. And I'm cool with that. But she don't switch places in those moments. The logic is flawed. The visuals are entertaining. I will say that. All right. And the first big switch is somewhat humorous because Captain Marvel was on this moon surrounded by bad guys. She switches into Ms. Marvel's room, which is a stinger for Ms. Marvel. So we're all caught up and Photon, or Monica Rambo, switched to the moon where the bad guys were, and Ms. Marvel is in space in uh, Monica's spacesuit, like, screaming, and then she floats back to the space station, and she's like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Nick Fury, which is funny, obvious, yes, but sort of infectious. I'm telling you, this is Mon Valani, like, she's got to be the hit at, like, any party she's ever been to. Like, People just want to be around her. She's infectious. She's uh the... the, she's the, the what is it? the uh, star, Not the star of the show. She's the uh, life of the party. You know what I'm saying? But uh, some of these bad guys get teleported to Ms. Marvel's house as well. And we get just a straight up, no fucking time to worry about anything else, pretty decent fight where our three heroes fight villains in three different locations. And, you know, they start jumping back and forth, and it's very, very visually interesting. They also do this this one visual trick a few times in the movie. I mentioned that director, Nia Dacasa, said she was uh, influenced by Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. There are many scenes in Final Fantasy VII Advent Children where they want to show multiple characters react to something at the same time, and they sort of cut the screen into multiple triangles. Uh, it's like when the Power Rangers would, like, power up at the same time, and you see them morph at the same time, like everybody gets a little square, and you see the Marvels at different times use their powers in this little triangle thing, and it's a cool visual, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's from Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, so that's fun, the Con household gets torn to shit, the parents do goofy things like hit fucking alien troopers with pots and pans and brooms and shit, um, you... (laughs) your comedic taste may vary the cgi is a little flunky at some times but you know it's still a cool fight I, i will give it the credit where credit's due i love the unique ways that they find for ms marvel to weigh her power to use her powers photon does some pretty cool shit with her powers like she can become completely transparent and like fucking like she's a one of those ghost twins with the hookah and the matrix and and go you know sink down into the ceiling and float back up and do jump kicks and shit. I mean, it's, it's visually interesting. It's, it's kind of like Vision's phasing power, Now that I'm thinking about it more and makes it less interesting. But, you know, all in all, the movie, while having a very, very, very shitty villain introduction at the very beginning, is at least interesting. You know, so there's lots of these switcheroo action beats and the powers. Uh, eventually, Eventually, through some rigmarole, all of the marvels end up in Kamala Khan's house through, you know, warping shenanigans, and then I think Captain Marvel flies to the house because she can, you know, her powers limitless, so she can fly across the galaxy like that. Um, and Kamala, of course, as soon as she sees Captain Marvel, because there's a there's a good gag where Kamala warps back to the house, and her mom's like, "Oh, Kamala, your friend was here, missed Captain Marvel. You you know, you missed her." And Kamala's like, "You know, uh, I missed." But anywho, this begins. There's a each. They try to give each character an arc. Okay, uh, Photon easily gets the silver. Okay, Captain Marvel easily gets whatever's less than bronze because her arc could have been amazing. And Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan gets the gold here because at first, of course, she's in awe of Captain Marvel being in her presence. All right, she looks up to her and is like unhealthily obsessed with her. Okay, but that's fine. You know, they do the gag where she's like, "Uh, hi," and like Captain Marvel goes for a hu- for a handshake and Ms. Marvel goes for the hug. Typical shit. Okay, just very very typical shit. They decide that they're going to have to stick together, even though Ms. Marvel is a novice and just a teenager. But since Captain Marvel and Photon need to go on a globe-trotting or world-trotting adventure to stop Dar Ben, they need Kamala Khan to stick with them. That way, if they switch places, they'll at least be where they need to be. And, you know, it makes sense. And even Kamala's parents are like, wait, no, Kamala, you can't go. And they're like, well, I mean, I get it, but we'll protect your daughter, stuff like that. Like, so... They rep, you know, they make it make sense that this team would kind of have to form. I've seen worse in superhero movies, don't get me wrong. This is fine. Um, And, and, you know, we blast off into space. Um, Darben continues uh, her quest to open unstable jump points. Now, her first target for these unstable jump points, and, and it's when we start to learn why she's doing it. Her basic goal in this entire movie is to take resources from other planets okay and, and we'll get into that in just a second because it becomes like a, a major plot point but the first thing they do is they go to this planet called tam Tamarax or tamax i don't give it. T- tampax okay fucking let's give them a shout out they need the money uh and it's a scroll outpost so there is an entire large amount of scrolls that live on this planet as refugees okay If we could just rewind for a second. I thought all of the Skrull refugees were on Earth. And maybe they weren't. Maybe they never outright said that. But if this planet is a Skrull outpost and it looked pretty empty, why are all the Skrulls from Secret Invasion stuck on Earth like we have nowhere to go when you could go here? I'm just saying, you gotta talk amongst yourselves, okay? If, you know, if you work in product development for a company and you make a product and you say, marketing team, we finished the product. Do you think the marketing team makes the product without looking at it, sampling it, and try to identify everything it can do? I hope not. Because if you made a fucking dildo and they're advertising a cheeseburger, we've got a problem. So why don't these creative units just talk to one another? Okay. I don't know. But on the, you know, and, and Carol Danvers finds out that, you know, they're heading towards this planet. Uh, and, but of course, she has tension with Monica because Captain Marvel never came back to see Monica when she was little Lieutenant Trouble. And she's like, hey, Lieutenant Trouble, in her fucking Brie Larson delivery. And Photon's like, um, it's Captain Rambo, you know? And, and then Sylvester Stallone runs in and he's like, there is nothing! There is no war! Nothing! Or whatever, he fucking yells at Colonel Trowman at the end. I think that's what he yelled at the end of fucking First Blood before they arrest him. There's nothing for me! Oh, well. Uh, But there's some tension there. Kamala Khan is, of course, still in awe of Carol Danvers. Carol, out of nowhere, gives us an info dump on the Quantum Bands. I guess she just knows that that's the thing they're looking for, and Kamala, of course, has one. Apparently... Legend across the universe foretold that uh, these quantum bands were used to create the entire jump point navigational network, which sounds really interesting, Uh, but let's keep in mind this movie is only a brisk hour and like 38 minutes. And speaking of opening portals of a jump point nature, Darben appears to have arrived on a planet called Tamax, Tamax, Tampax, I don't really care, okay? I don't, I don't know if it's Tampax. There doesn't seem to be anything leaking from this planet, at least yet, but there will be. So this planet is a Skrull outpost. Apparently, some of the Skrulls out there in the wild were able to settle on this planet peacefully, mind you, okay? They're peacefully settled on this planet and don't appear to be having issues uh, because this is indeed their colony. Which begs the question, uh, why were the scrolls on Earth like, oh, we got nowhere to go, and we've all got English accents and stuff? Like, again, the secret invasion nonsense. I just, I just, but that's fine. But that's fine. Okay? Um, Back in Spain, so Darben goes there and she starts, like, negotiating a peace treaty with the scrolls. She's like, uh... Well, you know, there's some shit going down on our home planet of Hala. And ever since the Annihilator came, Hala has been unstable. And it appears that the Kree are now the refugees of the universe and will depend on the loyalty of the Skrulls. Isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of crazy how everything's flipped since the last movie? Wouldn't you like to know how everything got flipped turned upside down? Well, sit down right there and I'll tell you about the prince of the annihilator it's that's not, not even fucking funny but my point is is that they're alluding to the fact that Hala is going through a crisis not so much a crisis on infinite Earth or an economic crisis but we'll get there back in space there's some tension on the spaceship okay uh monica and carol are having some tension because she's like oh lieutenant trouble and she says it just like that because she for some reason can't act when she's in that suit And Monica's like, don't call me Lieutenant Trouble anymore. It's Captain Rambo. But of course, Kamala continues to be in awe of Carol. And uh, you know, it it just is what it is. It is what it is. Darben, uh, back on the planet, is negotiating with what I have to assume is the king of the Skrulls. How would I know this? You might say. Does he proclaim himself the king of the scrolls, the emperor of the scrolls, the god of the Skrulls? Well, not so much. However, he does wear, ladies and gentlemen, what might be the worst crown prop I've ever seen in cinematic history. I swear to God you could get a better crown pop prop at a goddamn Halloween store. That being said, I love how pathetic it is, and so I'm going to allow it. When the Marvels arrive to save the day and rescue the Skrulls from Darben's evil plot, Darben uses this opportunity to be like, oh, you know what, so much for this peace treaty thing, because look, you called the Marvels. Yeah, I already know their superhero name, because I read it in the script. And so she revokes the treaty and immediately opens a jump point portal and launches an attack onto the Skrulls. Uh, And we get to see that the jump point she opened is actually connected to Hala, Again, the Cree homeworld, where we see people wearing like um, fucking masks. You know, like, like, cold. is that what happened to Hala? A COVID outbreak? It wouldn't surprise me. That shit goes everywhere. But they're all wearing these masks because they can't breathe. Okay? And we talked about the planet leaking earlier. Darben somehow gets the atmosphere of this scrawl planet. To start sucking through the jump point and go to Hala so people can start to breathe again. Ladies and gentlemen, that is correct. The Marvel's screenplay writers just ripped off the third act of Spaceball. We always put you on your knees, and what we do is dirty deeds while the Spaceballs watch out! Tell. That's right. These jump points are some insane circular non-statue version of Mega Maid. It's ridiculous. I don't understand how Darben actually uses her powers to command just the atmosphere to suck into Hala. But that's fine. That's fine. The planet starts to crumble. The Marvels launch an assault onto the Kree, but also to rescue the Skrulls. It's like a kree Skrull war down here. Um, We get another cool moment in Kamala Khan's personal theatrical arc here because Kamala wants to save everyone, but there's only one transport ship left, and it's full, and there's still so many Skrulls who can't get onto the ship, and Carol has to lay down the line. See, even though I make fun of this movie, and I will continue to, um, there are some moments like Carol has a moment later that should have been the entire movie. I promise we'll talk about it. And Kamala's arc is somewhat interesting. And Kamala, or Ramon Vallani, excuse me, the actress that plays Kamala, does do a really good job here of making me believe she's upset that these Skrulls are going to die. She's like, no, we have to save them. No. She's a great on-screen crier. And I mean that. I'm not throwing shade here. But the uh, the planet does indeed fall apart. Okay. And, uh, you know, they say what scrolls they can, but the damage is done. Now, Planet Hala is feeling a hell of a lot better. But Planet Tampax has, s- has failed to stop the leakage of the atmosphere. The space balls of what, people? Space bars They're shit. That goes to Planet. Okay, what happens? Oh, I remember what happens afterwards. But before we go to what happens afterwards, there is an amazing shot that must be discussed. As the Marvels and the Skrulls fly into space on their spaceship, we see the King of the Skrulls looking out the window, oh so for lord that his kingdom has crumbled, and he slowly takes off the crown from his head and just kind of like, he starts to walk away and then like looks back and then walks away and just like drops the crown like, I'm not important anymore. It's fucking pathetic and it's fucking hilarious. Now, we need to make sure that people want to buy tickets to this movie. So here comes our first obligatory cameo. The scrolls are all like, Well, Captain Marvel, you know, the Kree will call you the Annihilator. I guess you're kind of an Annihilator for us too. I don't know why I have an Australian accent, but I'm a scroll, damn it." And Captain Marvel's like, Wait, I know someone who can help you. Let me just make a call real quick. And yeah, that's what she sounds like. Smash cut to space. And the Asgardian rainbow road appears in space and connects to the spaceship and out drops the king, king, king of new Asgard, Valkyrie, in a pretty badass looking suit. I like Tessa Thompson. I got no problems with Valkyrie being here. It just feels so tacked on. But hey, even though Tessa Thompson's only here for 60 seconds, she commands the screen as she usually does. Now, I like to go to theaters that are packed full of people. I really do. It makes it a more fun experience. Think about the first time you saw Endgame in a theater. Wasn't it better that everybody cheered when their favorite character came out of a portal? Who cheered for the Wasp? I did. Well, these people thought I was because Howard the Duck is behind the Wasp. And when the Wasp pops up, I saw Howard the Duck and I was like, And everybody looked at me like I was a moron. But, but, but that's fine. So why do I mention the theater experience? Well, I, when, I, when I got this ticket, I picked my seat. And I don't like to sit next to people, but I understand that sometimes it's a necessity. My theater was not full, as you could tell from the box office receipts, but yet a family of like five decided to sit right next to me, and that's totally cool. I don't have a problem with it. But they provided me with a very unique theatrical experience. And now I shall explain that experience. As Valkyrie and Captain Marvel make eye contact, they walk towards one another, and they share a kiss! Now, I have no problem with romantically linking MCU characters at all. However, it just goes to show, why isn't this the movie? The thing that Carol has going on later is more interesting than a relationship, but this seems like an interesting tale. You know, when did they meet? Was it shortly after the Endgame battle? How come Tessa Thompson didn't talk about Captain Marvel when she was talking to Thor about Jane? And that's not really a big deal. It's her private life. She doesn't have to discuss it. But let me get back to the point. My unique theatrical experience. So I wasn't expecting Captain Marvel and Valkyrie to kiss because there was no setup. Okay, Now, when they kissed, I wasn't surprised at all. It makes sense. The two characters do seem to have a lot in common in certain ways. But the family sitting next to me appeared to be very, very surprised. As one of the gentlemen yelled with great, great, not dissatisfaction. I want to make it clear. I don't think he was trying to say to to, to put dissatisfaction into the ether. But it was more confusion as he yelled quote yo they're gay and i couldn't help but laugh because again i don't think he was trying to be shameful or or throw any negative energy out into the audience but he was so so shocked that this was happening in front of him and it just goes to show that it was poorly set up in any particular scripts but I will never ever ever be able to watch this movie without hearing in my head they're gay just because it lives in infamy valkyrie agrees to let the scroll refugees live on earth at new asgard which again just begs the question just begs the question how come she never invited the scrolls that are already on earth in secret invasion to live in new asgard but hey what the fuck do i know about script writing And speaking of script writing, we're like at the midway point in the movie here. And Captain Marvel uh, seems to understand what Darben is up to. You see, Hala is destroyed. It's dying, as we've talked about. They need water. They need water next. And Captain Marvel believes that Darben is targeting planets that Captain Marvel cares about. Well, Skrull's taken off the fucking uh, board there. Who else does she care about? She cares about the planet al or al and i you know al dente i don't give a shit yeah planet al dente it's a planet of well-cooked spaghetti pal i don't care what it's called but that planet is apparently 98 percent water even though it doesn't really look like it okay so we go there and folks again i know nothing about well i know a little bit about script writing but i'm not a professional writer okay i'm not a professional director i'm not a professional actor i'm really not professional anything so please understand what I'm about to tell you is my opinion only. I am all about brand synergy, pal. I really am. We all know that Disney owns Marvel. But ladies and gentlemen, when we arrive on this planet, it's revealed to us that Carol Danvers is the princess of this planet's culture, making her an official Disney princess. That's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But then they push it just a little step further to really hit you over the head with it. And again, I have no problems with it. This ain't a woke thing, brother. This ain't a Disney Disney selling kids to fucking Kuwait or whatever thing, okay? This is just a, my God, slap me in the face with your Disney cock brands energy. Um, The way that folks communicate on this planet is through song. It's English, but it's also song. So if I were to say, I don't know. For example, this movie sucks a big bag of donkey dicks. I would have to say it like this. This movie sucks a big bag of donkey dicks. Boom. Or no one would understand it. Because whenever they speak just English to one another without a tune attached to it, no one understands it. And I thought for sure we were going to get a big fucking Disney song and dance. Honestly, though, I dare you bring it. I at this point in the movie, I would have taken it and been like, "Huh, fuck it, uh, uh, I'm down." Just just throw something at me, okay? Um, but this this musical nonsense on this planet, as Carol, like everyone, like the girls are giving her shit about. You're the princess. You're married. Blah blah blah. All will be revealed soon that it's actually just a marriage of convenience that stopped a war because she's friends with the prince. Uh, they they ain't be fucking. They gay. Remember. Okay, so these guys, you know, she ain't fucking the prince. Um, But it goes to show that this movie is completely unwilling to deal with anything sad or tragic as an entire culture of peoples were just displaced and it was wrapped up and now we're on to fucking Disney princessing. You know, all the three women get new superhero costumes from this planet because they make them for them. I would not have been surprised if we cut away to like cartoon birds and mice putting these fucking costumes together. Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, making costumes, Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel, oh, she needs a costume, Miss Marvel. Photon, Photon, oh, her name's not Photon, but she needs a costume by God. um, The prince shows up. The, he dances with Carol. You know, he makes people think they fucking, but they ain't fucking because they gay, if, if you recall. and um, But the prince, who is actually played by, like, the uh, son from Parasite which is a much better movie you should watch, agrees that the military will fight against Dar-Ben if she shows up. Well, Dar-Ben shows up! There's another fight. Decent warping back and forth, I suppose. Captain Marvel finally starts to fly through some ships, which is like her finisher. My no, my God, fly through the ship! Fly through the ship! Good God Almighty, she hit the fly through the ship! If, or if Tony Shivani was there when she flies through the ship. That's her move! Anywho, um, Ms. Marvel again is ordered to like stay out of the conflict because she is the weakest with her powers or what have you. Uh she doesn't though. She, she does not stay out of the fight, and she fucks everything up. Well, she doesn't fuck everything up, but she like warps in at the wrong time, and Darben is able to open a goddamn portal and start sucking water out. Uh, it doesn't kill the planet though. Like I, they really don't. I think that the portal closes. I don't fucking remember it, but. It, you know, it, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. But uh, we do get more, uh, you know, clips where the, the troopers call, her, call Captain Marvel the Annihilator. And that brings us to Act 3. And yeah, this movie's moving at a real brisk pace here. Carol gives us the big revelation, the big twist. Why is all of this happening? Why do they call her the Annihilator? After the events of Captain Marvel, but definitely also after the events of Guardians of the Galaxy, because Guardians of the Galaxy takes place like, oh, I don't know, seven years after Captain Marvel, and the Kree Empire and Hala are doing just fine. Don't you worry about the Kree. The Kree are just fine. So I don't know when this takes place, and honestly, I don't really care. But Captain Marvel did vow to Jude Law in the semester abroad when she shot him away, That she was coming after the Supreme Intelligence. Supreme Intelligence, of course, is the AI chatbot that runs the Kree society. It runs their environmental controls, their fucking everything. It's like a deity, but also um, their lifeline to survival. And we do get to see the Supreme Intelligence, which made this comic book nerd very happy, because Captain Marvel, like a flaming god from the sky in a flashback, comes down and like crashes into the castle or the throne or whatever the goddamn imperial senate on Coruscant where the supreme intelligence lives and starts blasting fucking Kree accusers killing them she fights Darben actually Darben is the last accuser standing in her way before she gets to the supreme intelligence and then Carol walks into the room and stares down the supreme intelligence and she fucking Brock Lesnar's this shit she goes into beast mode murdering the supreme intelligence which destroys centuries of cree knowledge history memory it's it's horrifying like it really is and i'm not trying to be dramatic here this is the movie this is the movie start with this show me what captain marvel is capable of and the rest of the movie should her be be her dealing with the consequences of what she did she killed a fucking race of people. She didn't kill them directly, but she sentenced them to death with her selfish, powerful actions. That is a movie, ladies and gentlemen. This is not that movie. Oh well, then that's fine. So Hala is pretty close to dying. The last thing they need is a is a son. You know, who doesn't want a son to carry on the legacy? Uh, not so much a little human or a little dude, uh, but but a, a a giant gaseous star with magma, you know, magma. Uh so yeah. So everyone assumes that Darben is going to head to Earth cuz that's the last planet that Captain Marvel cares about. We get a goddamn training montage as the Marvels learn to use their power swapping together, and I think it's set to So The estate of the Beastie Boys, ladies and gentlemen, that shit grows by leaps and bounds with every new movie released in cinemas. It doesn't matter if it's Marvel or not, okay? Now, we haven't talked about Nick Fury and the Khan family much. The Khan family, at some point, takes the giant elevator from Earth to the sword station. And I think this was a secret invasion, so I shouldn't have been so surprised by it. But again, when did Earth get invited to the fucking party? But we cut to them back and forth. I've ignored it because it's really not important. Here's the only important thing, or the only way this plays in. Darben shows up near Earth and opens a portal to start sucking the sun. Even though the sun is pretty far from Earth, why didn't she open the portal near Mercury? Again, it's fine. I don't, I'm not a professional writer. It's not a big deal. I guess because she wanted to penalize Earth. But what stops her from sucking Venus and Mercury through the portal? Or all the asteroids in space, Debris? Yeah, I said Debris. Want to fight about it? Debris. In case you didn't catch the fucking joke. But throughout the course of the movie, back on the sword station, the Khan family gets into hijinks. They're throwing up. Can't handle zero gravity. Mrs. Kahn's yelling at Nick Fury like, Where's my daughter, Beta. I just, I love every time they say beta. It's so cute. Um, But there's a bunch of eggs there because Goose is there. Goose the flurkin, the cat that's an octopus that eats shit. And all these eggs hatch and all these flurkin are born on the Sword Space Station. And the Sword Space Station has to evacuate, but there aren't enough fucking um, lifeboats to get everybody off. So the Marvels show up and they've got an idea. And ladies and gentlemen, set to memory from the fucking play cats. The Flurkin run around the space station and eat everyone who's there, and then they put all the goddamn cats on a lifeboat because they're tiny, working under the assumption that all the Flurkin will just throw up all of these innocent people safely on Earth. It's the dumbest shit you've ever seen. It's insulting to my intelligence and your intelligence, and it's not even funny. It does work, though, because everybody's safe. Ah, fuck it. Fuck it, fuck it. This... uh, I got really motivated by the film when they explained why Carol was an annihilator. Like, I really did. But then I remembered I've already watched an hour of this movie, and there ain't no time for anything deep. Speaking of ain't no time for anything deep, we go fight Darben on her ship, which is next to the portal sucking up the sun. It's the fight you've seen in the trailers where, like, they all three fight her together. Captain Marvel has her new suit that looks stupid. It looks really bad. She looks like a head. Like, it's like I think she that she wore this suit on set, but it looks like it's CGI animated. Ms. Marvel's is cool. Photon's is cool. Ms. Marvel fights like a badass. Photon fights like a badass. Captain Marvel should be able to break uh, Darben's neck uh, without breaking a sweat, but that's fucking fine. I don't care. I really don't. Uh, Darband gets the quantum band from Ms. Marvel after she plays possum like she's goddamn Bret Hart. She opens an even more powerful portal, I guess, because she clicks the negabands or the quantum bands together and opens a massive portal. But this portal is to another universe in the multiverse. And Darben, I don't think, knew that was going to happen. Also, when she clangs them together, she dies. She like melts like she's a goddamn Wicked Witch of the West because there's too much power. See ya Darben. Don't ever come back. Don't ever get mentioned again. Fuck your couch, Darben. Goodbye. <clears throat> this also untangles the Marvel's powers for reasons that are unexplained. Photon, Professor Marvel, Monica Rambo, John Rambo, Maria Rambo, Gumbo Bambo Rambo. I don't care what superhero name you want to call her. She says she could fix it if she gets charged by the other Marvels and their powers. Fuck it. I don't care. She does. She goes into space. She has to go to the other side of the portal into the other universe to close the portal. She does. She makes the sacrifice play. They play it up like she's dead. She's not. But she is trapped in another universe in the multiverse. Bye, Photon. See ya. Hardly knew ya. Nah, it's okay. She ain't dead. Uh, also, somewhere lost in here is the conclusion of the arc where Captain Marvel gains, or, or, or Captain Marvel starts to respect and appreciate Kamala Khan, and Miss Marvel starts to realize that Captain Marvel may be her hero, but she's not perfect. You know, being a superhero isn't all sunshine and roses and blah, 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 blah. How does this fucking movie end? Oh, Captain Marvel and the Khan family, I guess, move into the Rambo estate down in Louisiana because both the Rambos are dead and. Captain Marvel's like, well, Lieutenant Trouble might be gone, but we'll find her again someday, Ms. Marvel. Let's go sit in this plane and pretend that we're flying a plane. Bye, movie. And that's the end of the Marvels. However, there are uh, two scenes left. We cut to New York City. We cut to an apartment in New York City. And a window opens from the outside. And who crawls into this New York loft-based apartment living facility? Kite Bishop! Oh, Kite Bishop! Will you make me some macaroni and cheese, Kite Bishop? You're so funny, Kite Bishop. Kite Bishop, where is your friend Hawkeye? I'm supposed to kill him. Hey, Kite Bishop, did you expect Elena Belova to be here for this podcast, Kite Bishop? Okay, it is Kate Bishop, Haley Steinfeld, Hawkeye too, but unfortunately... Black Widow 2 Yelena Belova no 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 is not there. But Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan is there to greet Kate Bishop and she stole Nick Fury's iPad that has all the superheroes listed on it and she's got her file pulled up. And Amon Valani is charming. She's adorable, she's funny, she is infectious with her charisma but I'm very disappointed that she is just asked to copy Nick Fury's speech from the end of Iron Man. She wants to form a team with other kid superheroes. And Haley Steinfeld great line. She's like, oh no, I'm 23. Uh, But it appears that Hawkeye agrees to join up with Ms. Marvel to, I guess, form the Young Avengers. Ms. Marvel spikes the camera and lets us know that, hey, Ant-Man has a daughter. We should go see her next credits roll. Okay, I could do a Young Avengers flick. Like I'm I, at this point I'm I'm just I'm so burned out. I, I don't know where this fits in. I, I don't know. Do, you know, buyer beware, I suppose, but we got enough of them. If we could somehow get Wiccan and Speed out of the multiverse and uh we've got uh Patriot. He was in uh Captain America and the Winter Soldier TV show. So we got Patriot, Wiccan, uh, speed. Uh, we can get Hulk's kid from she a car, that's four. We can get the three ladies, Stature, Hawkeye, and Ms. Marvel. That's seven. That's a team. I mean, that's enough characters to make a movie about, so whatever. If done right, it could be good, I suppose. But then, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you all came for, the giant revelation that will change the face of the Marvel Cinematic Universe forever, are you Ready? I said, are you ready? Fuck it, I'm not doing it. Uh, mid credit scene, Monica Rambeau wakes up in like a hospital room, and her goddamn mother is sitting right next to her. And Monica's so excited. Mom, I've got so much to tell you, etc., etc. But Maria Rambeau is not her mom. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Lashawna Lynch, 007 herself, portraying a character that's probably not as well-known named Binary that is a version of Carol Danvers, if I'm not mistaken, that has the powers of Captain Marvel that just goes by the superhero alias binary. And she's like, I don't know, you fool. And then a docile tone speaks off camera, talking about tossed salad and scrambled eggs. It is Kelsey Grammer's beast, ladies and gentlemen. And we pull back to reveal that we're in the goddamn Xavier's mansion straight out of the 20th Century Fox. This is either one of two things. This is either the 20th Century Fox X-Men universe that Monica Rambeau has been trapped in, or it potentially could be the X-Men 97 universe. And is anybody else's balls hurt yet? Beast does look like he does in the X-Men cartoon, more like it than he ever has, to be honest with you. He does not look like he did in the 20th Century Fox universe, could be a redesign. But uh, Beast is like, well, Binary, what have you uncovered? What have you uncovered about our strange visitor who appears to be from another planet in the multiverse? Which <laughs> obviously shouldn't be possible. But Binary, if you could give me an update because Charles would like an update. Oh, yes, they say Charles. All the nerds just came. Except me. I am a nerd, but I did not come during this movie. I know where Professor Xavier is. He's in the other room. He's probably like, God damn it, Beast. I'm really not interested in the update on uh, the, the, the woman who's sitting in a bed because she's not a mutant. But you know who is a mutant beast? Gambit! Oh, Gambit, get in here! I'd like to play some three-card Monty. Now, Gambit, thank you for coming here. You're one of my favorite X-Men, Gambit. You're always a cool person to have around for all the crazy X-Men parties. Some people would think Dazzler would be my favorite because she can sing those beautiful songs. But, Gambit, only you can make me chuckle with a devious, devious, delicious game of three-card Monty. Now, Gambit... Let's raise the stakes for this round. If I defeat you in three If you defeat me in three card Monty, I will give you $1,000, as promised. But each game that I win, Gambert, I would like you to bring in your girlfriend, Rogue, and perhaps she can remove a different item of clothing with every victory that little Chucky Xavier gets. Oh, this is going to be a great day! Beast, get out of here! I'm busy. And speaking of busy, I'm busy, you're busy... We need to move on with our lives and forget that the Marvels ever happened. Guys, this movie was not good. This movie was... <sighs> I hate to be so negative. Some of the action scenes were fun. Actually, I'll give Nia Dacosta a little bit. Of credit. Some of the directing was interesting. Iman uh, Vellani was... Good. Tiana Harris is fine. Carol Dan... De- or, uh, Brie Larson continues to just make me want to jump off a bridge with her performance as Captain Marvel. I'm sorry. I said it needed to be said. Uh, the MCU is just starting to falter, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? Watch Loki. That's so much better than this. I give the Marvels... I don't know. Fuck it. A 4 out of 10. Because I'm feeling generous. And it's pretty much carried by Iman Vellani and a little bit of unique action directing and probably the scroll King's crown, because it, that thing is worth the price of admission. Well, folks, that's going to wrap things up here for this very special no-so-special report, and I honestly, I'm going to take two seconds and kiss your ass. I, I stepped away from podcasting like a month ago. I didn't know when I'd get back to it, just busy and shit coming up and what have you. I was so happy to record this for you. I hope it came through for you. I hope you enjoyed it. And please continue to enjoy everything on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. Wrestling Warzone, you know, I'm just going to give a shout out to them. It's not because whatever. It's just, I get so excited every other Monday when that drops. We're getting into the era of 97 well we've been in 97 but we're getting to the raw is war era the ecw angle pipers and alcatraz well oh, i'm in alcatraz uh I, jt and chad i'm speaking in tongues and you're gonna decipher the tongues for the north south connection podcast network because i'm here and i've come to fight and chew bubblegum, and i have plenty of bubblegum. so listen to it listen to everything Uh, And also, you know, my personal podcast feed's still out there. It's been renamed the Multiverse of Fabulousness, so there's brand synergy there, people! And perhaps someday soon, uh, the Multiverse of Fabulousness, as uh, as a show, will return to the Northside Connection Podcast Network to penetrate your eardrums with sweet sonic nothings. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you.